All right, it looks like we are live for the inauguration of Three Times Dope podcast with three yep. dope individuals and a yeah. special guest, the, the royal amazingness, king of all things great and dope, the founder of all things amazing, Mr. Sharif El-Mekki. Um, for joining. Thank you for joining. Thank you for joining. Thank you for joining. I have been delegated, um, voluntold to be the MC for today, but we have a great group here, three times dope. So we're going to start off, kick off. I introduce the podcast by introducing ourselves. So I'm already tired of talking, so I'm going to go ahead and toss it over to Mr. Parker. Go ahead. You tired of talking on a podcast that's one minute yeah, in? it's a podcast for an hour. He already tired to talk it, Parker. Oh, man. Y'all want to start it, man. Y'all want to start already. Yeah, listen, brother. Uh, what's up, world? Yes, um, my name is Brother Rob Parker. Uh, I am an educator. I have the privilege of serving as a um, assistant principal over at Boys Latin Charter School in Philadelphia, PA. I'm also a community activist. I love my community, live in the West Philadelphia area, West Philadelphia, born and raised. Um, but uh, uh, yes, man, a community activist at the heart. Um, have a community organization here in Philadelphia and West Philly, um, and I am also uh, a minister. So I'm I'm here to keep it clean and check <laughs> y'all brothers once y'all start talking sideways. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad to be here, man. Representing that three times dope. Yes, what y'all know about that week in the knees hilltop hustlers right there. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. pass it off to uh, to to brother Simmons. Yeah, what's that? You guys, you got some mess on your hat too. You might want to look like a big so. blue booger up on that jaw. What is that? <laughs> First of all, I'm Robert Simmons, and I'm always repping the three one three. Doctor Robert Simmons, yeah. Doctor Robert Simmons, uh, but my mama named me Robert, so that's what I go by. <laughs> I always say, folks, that when they get them three letters behind their name, if they got to tell you that they doctor so and so. You need to question them on that. <laughs> I think uh, we've had that conversation before. Uh, but I'm Robert Simmons uh, from Livernoise Retirement in Detroit. Um, and I'm excited to be with y'all located in uh, the D.C. metro area um, and uh, work uh, in a whole bunch of different spaces, uh, focusing on uh, anti-racism, issues of race and education, uh, what is it? Professor at American University, uh, lead a grant project, uh, the Black Educators Initiative, um, and I'm just a general rebel rouser uh, for the people. Um, shout out to all my folks from Detroit to hit me up on Twitter, said they were joining. So, nice, uh, nice. you know, we're going to send Sharif a blue booger hat <laughs> uh, for the first of the year so he can start his year off right. Let's start it off right. <laughs> uh, with the blue booger on his hat, too. <laughs> nice, nice. Love and, it. And I am uh, William Hayes. I, Dr. William Hayes, I don't want to offend Mr. Simmons by quoting those three letters. Uh, <laughs> I am the sole country boy on the panel from Hartsville, South Carolina, population 7,000. Um, have been quite a bit of places, Boston, uh, Cleveland, currently a proud principal of a high school in Camden, New Jersey. Uh, that is currently the only job that I have, um, though I do some, you know, opinion giving and dropping some knowledge in other places for a slight fee every now and again. Um, and so this is the 
core group of the three times dope. Uh, I believe Robert coined the phrase coming in hot. I think we might hashtag that and make our little line. You know, the music might say, uh, coming in hot. Can you add that, please? Can we get that to our feature? This is coming in hot, I like baby. that, coming in hot. Is that like yes, a, yeah. a Philly thing? Is it a Philly thing? No, no, every, it's, everything it's, dope is a Philly thing. You ain't even got to ask that. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, no. Only, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, read, read his shirt. Practice? Read his shirt. You know that John is from Philly, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you talking about practice? <laughs> Maybe, Parker, can you tell us where coming in hot came from? Uh, coming in hot, man. It, that's I mean, it's a well-known tar- term. If I be honest, it's a it's a song by a, a brother you named Lecrae and Andy, <laughs> Andy Menio that they have a song called "Coming in Hot," and so that's one of my favorite songs, man. Mm-hmm. Coming in hot. So, but that's what we doing. We coming in hot. That's you said, McCray? Yeah, Lecrae. Yeah, that's that's a gospel artist, ain't it? Yeah, he's a hip hop rapper, man. But he he's under that gospel genre, but uh. Uh, once you make it to Jimmy Fallon, I don't even think you you on a whole nother stratosphere, man. This boy was mm. on Jimmy Fallon. You know, he, he in a whole nother space right now. Mm. I like how you, I like how <laughs> man, everybody's in the chat talking about a John. Hey, Reed, hey listen. On Twitter where I was trying to get you to explain to me what a John was. Listen, man. Right dope, there, bro. Dope definition. And listen, see, listen. Maritza talking about dope is a John. <laughs> like, you know, I'm trying to figure out, like, well, everything's a John. And Reef was like, yeah, everything could be a John. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've, I've adopted that. That's what's um, up. And added that to my lexicon. Uh, Reef, I need to figure out how to use John in an academic paper. <laughs> Listen, I'm sure there are folks who've done it, you know. <laughs> I'm sure there are folks who've done it and got F's too, but you know, I, I think that you would be yeah, successful I mean, at it. I quoted Biggie in a paper one time, and one of the reviewers was like, Well, this is not peer reviewed. And I was like, <laughs> I wanted to call that person and uh tweet some up. Like, man, Biggie is peer reviewed by the block, yo. They they weren't culturally responsive, culturally relevant info was not, you know, not in their thing. I mean, know? Reverend Parker will censor me, so I can't say what I really wanted to say. Can you before, so. I, I would just add an unpopular opinion. I actually don't want to see John in an academic paper, no matter how the Philly folks feel. That's extremely yeah. unpopular. I'm glad yeah, you pressed it like that. Unpopular opinion. I, I don't see it happening. Uh, but while we got it here, gentlemen, we have with us a special guest. I think so many folks know him. Before we get that to the uh, to the pandemic piece, I want to introduce our special guest, uh, Sharif El Meki. We have on the line with us a principal, a preacher, a professor, and now we have the penultimate protester of all <laughs> things against our people. So, Sharif. Who are you? And if you could tell us how you know each of the three of us, because that's how we ah, got that's that's a great mm. that's a yeah, that's great. Hey, um, if we could get our, our producer to put, yeah, there we go. All right, so Sharif El Meki, longtime educator, uh, you know, lifelong activist, uh, proud from you know, West Philadelphia, born and raised. Y'all know the rest. You, you probably saw him with the second, the second coming of of the of the show. Uh the Fresh Prince going on, you know. Uh, bro, where, where'd you go to high school? Uh, I, I think we share the same alma mater, brother. I went to yeah, Overbrook. Yeah, 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 that's what I thought. All right, yeah. uh, Brook in the house, you know what I mean? Yes, uh, yes. Castle on the Hill, all that good stuff. Yeah, you yeah. know, like, uh, it's, it's all good. But yeah, yeah so. Back to the script, Sharif, back to the script. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have a script, you know, I, like, you should know, like, I I, I love, re- I relish in going off script. Like, that's kind of my thing, you know, but how I got to know these brothers. So uh, Simmons, man, when that first, I, I had heard about Simmons for a long time and 
read a lot of his, you know, um, you know, some of the pieces that he would put out um, and then just being an academic, but he was a different type of academic. And so I was just like really interested in, in, in his work, you know, working with children, working with uh, other educators. And, and then we ended up being in the same spaces. So we're both uh, members of education leaders of color. Uh, we both have this, uh, you know, a uh, couple of projects that we're working on together, um, including his uh, Black Educator Initiative, which is just, a, you know, an outstanding opportunity to increase the the number of Black teachers and and make sure that they are effective coming into the gate, so That's that they right, can schools hot, right? Name like, that. Yeah. Name Simmons, you in Edlock? Yeah, I've been trying to make that line for like four years, Doc. I didn't like. They just hey, why you open up the door, man? They just won't pick it's me. Between him and Anchor, but like I, I don't know what to do. You know, like I've nominated both of them ten times. Like they, they just keep getting shot down. You know, like they. No, time <laughs> three times dope. You only got one dope. We got to work on that. Two other ones left. We got to work on that. We got to work. We will. We will. Yeah, yeah no doubt. Um, Hayes, so I first met Hayes, he we, we were in a fellowship, uh, America Achieves Fellowship, where, which brought, was unique. It brought together teachers as well as principals together. Often, you know, teachers and principals, you know, in a lot of schools, a lot of districts, it's this adversarial relationship, us versus them mentality from both sides, which is just dumb. Um, you're both supposed to be in service of children. So this was a yep. unique opportunity. Uh, for teachers and um, and principals to work together and and try to address issues that that uh, they saw in their different spaces, and so that's where I first met Hayes there, and he was working on uh, Black Male Initiatives, uh, you know, Black Male Educator Alliance, uh, you know, with with some brothers in Detroit, Curtis Lewis, Doctor Curtis Detroit. Lewis. Okay, oh uh, yeah, you know, so I, I got Hayes. I know you had a connection to the city. Yeah, I love Detroit. It's so yeah. cold in the green. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So that was that was going on, um, and brothers in in DC as well. And so, okay. and then at the same time, when you know, I think one of our convenes, he was like, "Yo, I'm I'm thinking about coming to Philly. I'm I'm apply I applied somewhere. I got an interview." And I'm like, "Where?" He's like, "Oh, you know this this uh, charter network called Mastery." I'm like, "Bro, you gotta come to Philly. That's the network I'm working in. You know what I mean?" Like you got to come here, and so you know during the visit we got to hang out at a football game, you know, and uh, and just talk, and uh, you know, and just and we had already just been in communication. I just thought he was a really talented young man with a lot of you know just great ideas. I loved his his story coming into education. He's from South Carolina, you know. I was like, you know what? I got some peoples, you know. My grandma's from there. The KKK ran our family out of South Carolina. Oh, word. Um, okay. What was it? Batesville, I think, is the town. So, okay. you know, another one of those small towns that, uh, you know, that that was in mm -hmm. South Carolina. Man, you could just imagine they ended up in in Philly uh, because of the KKK. So, forced participation in the Great Migration. And so then Hayes, you know, he came to Mastery as a principal, doing dope stuff. I always Wanted to steal his ideas and and some of his team members, and you know got a lot of the ideas, but you know was never able to get uh, one of his team members. He started poaching my team members, you know. So, wow. <laughs> it got, yeah, it started going back. I'm like, yo, this is not how it's supposed to roll, but you know, it's it you know really good stuff. And um, and then of course, uh, him and Parker, uh, you know, were crucial um, in the fellowship Black Male Educators for Social Justice coming alive, you know, and so. 
You know, these were a big part of the brains and the work of, of making that happen and supporting current and aspiring black male educators. And then Parker, you know, Parker was another one of those just young men that I was like, man, he reminds me of me when I was a teacher. Like, you know, he was just so focused, so committed, an activist, a community man. Uh, funny story, Parker actually married one of my favorite students that I taught when I was an eighth grade teacher. Yeah. Yeah. That like one crazy. of my top students. And he's, yeah. he's, he's like, yeah, you know my way. Like I was like, what? How's that happen? You know, and so that was uh, you know, just again a small world and and um just excited for y'all. You know, I was been looking forward to this all week, you know, just seeing y'all and, and the energy that y'all bring to your schools and to black children and community. So um good stuff. Glad to be here. Absolutely, and we're glad to have glad you. To have you. Glad to have three you. times dope. <laughs> Thank you. Coming Thanks for in, having me. Coming in hot. So, gentlemen, I want to kind of toss it to just a particular topic that I think we discussed a little bit, um, but I'm interested to gather some thoughts. So we, we like to uh, kind of highlight the fact that we are in the midst of COVID, but I want to stamp the fact that we have two pandemics happening right now, racism, which has been happening since the very foundation of the world, and COVID. And so I'm interested to hear from you all, how are you all, one, processing this time period, mm. particularly that time period from uh, the murder of George Floyd till now, and then what are you beginning to appreciate? Like what has this pandemic taught you to appreciate in a new way? Again, just to stamp the understanding, make sure that we are clear on the expectations of the uh, prompt. A teacher, boy. Good teacher. Good teacher. <laughs> like, man, stay on. Stay on. How have you been coping during this time, during this experience? And what have you learned and grown to appreciate? I've grown to appreciate uh, my nine-year-old's affection for uh, video games. What I mean is that I used to really not allow him to do that, but I have learned through the pandemic, the only way that he can really communicate with his friends is through the video games because they have all the technology. And so like Elaine just said, you know, the vid, them, uh, I, I'll cite my, uh, my people from Philly, them video game Jones is, <laughs> is versatile. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that, um, you know, that is um, really important for me to acknowledge that, uh, you know, my son, uh, John, you know, he has taught me about a, a lot about um, how to be flexible. Um, and that's been really helpful for me as an educator. Um, and I guess the last thing that I've really appreciated is the fact that um, um, other than one person uh, who I'm close with that I worked in DC schools with, um, I haven't had anyone directly tied to me pass away from COVID-19. And so I think that it's allowed me to count my blessings. Um, and and it's, it's just been uh, amazing. Um, and I think the last, last thing is that I've appreciated um, my desire to read and write. And so I've begun to read um, a bit more and dig into the text that, um, you know, I've been sitting with and longing to read. So, um, yeah, that's it from me on this end. So, gotcha. yeah, um, I, I jump in, man. I appreciate, um, man, this may sound cliche. I appreciate technology during this time, man, because I, I remember having a conversation with someone like, I don't I don't know what it would be like um, if, if COVID had happened in the 80s, man. I'm an 80s baby, like growing up in the 80s and 90s. And I, I don't, 
like the technology, even what we're doing right now, and the ability to be able to stay connected um, to people uh, in so many different levels. Uh, I know people say they are Zoomed out and they're tired of being on, in Zoom sessions, but in some ways I, I appreciate the ability to still be able to see people um, through through technology. I appreciate that. I also feel like um, the, the fact of, uh, when you bring in the, the pandemic and, and living in this time, I think is, is technology and social media and all those things that um, led to what we saw over the summer um, uh, and the response to George, George Floyd, the response to Breonna Taylor, the re response to uh, Amaya Aubrey. I think people being home, being at COVID and technology and seeing everything on the news, seeing what was happening on social media, people reporting live from from various protests, um, I think it, it is what uh, led to a lot of the movements that we've seen happening uh, across um, the country and seeing things spark off because of uh, of technology, man. So I, I truly uh, um, appreciate that. And in some ways, some ways I, I I say it's a bad thing. We we keep our heads down in our phones and 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 uh, on it, but it's, it's been good in some ways to stay informed. Uh, and being able to see what is happening across the globe, right, and, and uh, uh, worldwide. So that's something that I, I appreciate. And I mm -hmm. I think even more, I, I piggyback off of Simmons, I appreciate family, man. I appreciate the, the time of just being able to spend with my babies and, and, and my wife and being home with them. Uh, it, it allowed me to be able to focus on the things that are most important. Uh, sometimes we get busy and distracted with things, but... COVID sl slowed us down to be able to appreciate the things that are that are most important, which are relationships with our families, which are which is love. So I'm going to stop right there. So I, I will pick up right where you left off. I think for me um, and no like haze joke about this, I'm going to appreciate myself during this pandemic. <laughs> um, and, and all the mirrors in this house. <laughs> 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 like I appreciate me. That's who who I like, who I trust, me. That's yeah. who. And you damn right. After after watching all that has occurred in our country and watch how it just like has personally impacted us as black people, you can be so overwhelmed. You need to take a step back, right? You need to take account of like what is this doing to me? Where am I in this space? And I'm just a big proponent, and like one of our future episodes will definitely be about like black male mental health and just like the mental health of black people in general. Um, but for me, it's just been a journey of trying to balance myself in this time period. So I think you know, parents during this time period have a story to tell, but those who are single will also have another story to tell, right? What it looks like when the entire world shuts down and you're in an apartment by yourself, right? How do you manage that? Um, how do you take account for trying to balance your intersectionality as both an educator who's responsible for taking care of children and families and trying to take care of yourself and be a black person in this country and be a black man in society. And so for me, it's been a reckoning with all of those identities in the wake of a pandemic and trying to figure out like, what do you need in this moment? And in many cases, uh, giving yourself the grace to be selfish in a moment. And so it's been a balance of that. And I think when you are in this work, you can be so busy by the work, like you're always talking to this group or you're supporting this group, you don't get a chance to really like turn uh, into a period of introspection. So for me, this pandemic and the, both the racism and COVID has been some level of introspection in terms of who am I and what do I want? Uh, and also figuring out 
what do I need in my space, right? And so I think COVID makes you much more intentional around who you give your time and energy to, like who you're willing to risk it all for, right? Um, and so we've seen much more intentionality to your point, uh, Parker, around the family members we choose to hold tight and connect to, the friends we say, you know, I don't need to see them, I don't need to talk to them, but this is a friendship I want to invest in. And so it's definitely been, I think, a good pause point for me to begin to appreciate some things I haven't necessarily given attention to. Yeah. Um, I would like to pivot on that same question. Um, while we have the mic for black men here, and I'll toss it to you, uh, Mickey, first, what do you think is a specific kind of, not position, because we're not a monolith, but what is the role of the black man in all of this, right? So where do black men find themselves in the wake of both sides of this pandemic? And I'll kick it to you first, uh, Mickey. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. You know, um, maybe before I even jump into this, it's interesting, you know, I've been a part of many, you know, uh, just podcasts, obviously the eight black hands, um, you know, and then guests and others. The single brothers always make sure that the uh, the audience know that they single, you know what I mean? They're, they're like, as a single man, you know, like they, they always cock their head to the side, raise their eyebrows, you know, so that was just an interesting observation. But as far as, you know, the role, you know, our role, you know, I, I think, you know, one, and as a, you know, and this is for any any space, whether it's, uh, you know, the the pandemic or as well as the, you know, the endemic with the with the racism, the the persistent, uh, John, is just this idea of like how do we, you know, let's try to serve our communities. Like how do we serve with humility? How do we listen and see what the needs are? Um, I think you know a real important part of leadership is is listening and and understanding. You know. And I think both of these areas allow us to, you know, to do that if, if we're willing to take on that, that challenge, you know, uh, you know, finding who are to collab, who we can collaborate with, who we can build with. Um, but the most important, like, how do we serve our community? How do we serve God's creation? Uh, for me, is 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 just a important uh, foundation for any other work that we want to do in the midst of of the madness that that comes our way from all different angles. Absolutely. Thoughts on your role, your specific role in this pandemic, Parker? My, my role is to be a hater, too, according to Anchor. Yeah, you are. <laughs> wow. Um, I think, um, man, to be unapologetically black, man, I think that is, is one. I think there is a we mm -hmm. can't be ashamed to speak about the things that we are seeing that impact uh, us directly and how it how it is affecting us. I think that is something that, you know, we, we try to um, borderline, like, you know, stay, stay on the line and be politically correct. And I think at times, no, it, it's required for us to, um, as, as Baba Ameki stated, like, you know, be on that loudspeaker in regards to addressing the, the, the concerns of our communities, of our, of our families, man. I think that uh, is important. And I also, you know, one of the things I reflected on myself, man, when you say introspection and it's just that, um, man, not trying to do everything on your own. You know, some of the things that we need to be mindful of is that I, I'm looking right now. I, I got four brothers around me. I think sometimes we try to carry this 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 role of being um, I'm, I'm the man. I, I can do everything. And mm. now nah, at times you, you need to call on others. Right. There, there are times where we need to mm -hmm. be vulnerable uh, and, and during this pandemic. And uh, when we're dealing with covid and racism and, you know, gun violence, all these other things, brothers need to be able to, to have somebody they can turn to and just just let it out and be under, be unashamed in doing that. So those are the things I think 
um, yeah, our, our role, we, we're responsible for, for doing that, but especially for this next generation. These brothers out here thinking they don't need one another. No, we need, <laughs> we right. need, we need each other, man. We can't build uh, without each other. So unite yeah, or die. That's unite right. Or die. That's right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think I just want to echo all of that and um, just tag on um, and just say that I think is equally important um, from an organizational standpoint um, for brothers to work together as opposed to. Uh, really animating the crabs in the barrel mentality, right? Mm -hmm. And folks acting, just being haters that I've seen over the course of my career. Um, and, you know, for me, I celebrate all of y'all's success. You know what I'm saying? Like I celebrate the success of, of the work that Brother King is doing at Ed Trust, um, the work that all sorts of other cats are doing, um, that uh, there's a brother leading a Latinx educa educators collaborative out in uh, Kansas City. Mm -hmm. um, Cornell Ellis is doing some amazing work. And then at the same time, celebrate the amazing work of those sisters who um, are uh, leading the charge uh, as well and figuring out how to be collaborative. And I always tell people that, especially in the space around Black male teachers, one of the leading advocates for increasing the number of Black male teachers in our schools are actually Black women in particular, black female school leaders. I've heard from more black female Talk school leaders it. like, yo, like, where the brothers at? And not just any old brother who can walk in and do lunch duty, but I need that brother that knows how to teach uh, uh, black kids how to read, mm. right? Like, what, what are the things that uh, we really need? And so for me, um, I think that on the other side of this uh, pandemic, we'll still be in the midst of the epidemic of white supremacy and racism, um, I think is going to be even more important for us to collaborate. And then the last, last thing is, it's going to be really important for us to, um, and this will be a good topic for us on our uh, next episode or a future episode, is how do we encourage um, our community to embrace the need to get a vaccine, right? And I was talking to... <laughs> That's yeah, a, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the thing. Woo! He said single men ain't down with that. Yeah. <laughs> Bro, look, next look, episode. Look. He said next episode. We oh, my bad, episode. my bad. Yeah, next episode, Reef. Like, well, I'll be I in think, the chat. You yeah, know, yeah. chiming in on that. That's joke. right, but yeah, but the the point I'm getting at is that at some point, um, mm. we're gonna have to figure out as a community what is our responsibility, um, for dealing with COVID, right? And like knowing, fully knowing the history of, of, of uh, whether it's Henrietta Lacks, uh, Tuskegee Experiment, things like that. Um, how do we do that? And I was talking to a homie who's um, a physician, uh, but also has an MPH in epidemiology. And he's really concerned about that. And I was like, bro, like, I ain't gonna be first in line for that. Like, nah, son. He's like, yeah, but you just said you want to encourage people to get the vaccine, black folks to get the vaccine. I said, yeah, but I don't want us to be the first in line, dude. Like, we should be first in line. And I was like, nah, man, like, I don't know about that. But the point of the matter is, is I think it's going to have to be a conversation um, and it's going to have to include school leaders um, and people in education, because that is the, the place where it's a common space for young people in our community um to to gather and i just saw someone talk about literacy yeah it's also about being literate about um vaccines and vaccinations but also being conscious and mindful 
of of uh, what's going on uh, uh, historically with that stuff. So, hmm. yeah, Simmons, we was we're gonna put that on the next episode. We weren't even supposed to get controversial right now. We want to like get the people onto the team, uh, but I want to stay there real quick. And so, one of the things that I've always like wanted to do, and I actually shot Omeki a text message uh, earlier today that I didn't respond to. I was like listening to a podcast, and I, you know, I got some different opinions, you know. Folks love to say all skin folk ain't kin folk anytime you got a different opinion. And so I've always, I've always wanted to like create a space where we can have a closed door conversation, difficult conversation, right? Uh, that does not absolve white people of the impact of racism, right? I, I think there's a necessity in us closing the door so that nothing I said causes you to believe that you are not responsible for most of what I'm saying, right? Uh, and for part of that conversation, uh, Parker, you bring up the point around, and I'm going to flip gears in terms of like the schedule right now. Parker, you brought this idea of like the pandemic teaching us that like black men need to come together, right? Um, and unfortunately, that in many spaces is like a profound thought, right? We need black men to come together, to build together, and we're still working on that. And something about where we are as a country and where we are as a people, we love to see one another go at odds. Mm. I will add to this, this is also a podcast of educators that are going to complicate the narrative of how much we get involved in. So I'm going to bring up Jeezy and Gucci. I'll make you might not know who these people are. I only <laughs> heard of them because they were people talking about it. Before that, never heard of them. Like, I thought Gucci was a belt. You know what I mean? Like It's okay. It's okay. These these two gentlemen, black men in the industry with a long-standing beef, runs deep. More shocking than the beef that they had or have or that was resolved, however we left that Instagram versus battle, the world stood up to watch this conflict, right? The, the world was just sitting with bated breath to see who was going to save <coughs> who, who was going to disrespect who. There was commentary about one killing another man's man and uh, one on the hit out for another one. And that was the news that dominated our pop culture. And so I'm interested to hear from you all, what is it about um, the world that loves to see black men at odds? And why is it so challenging for us to come together in spaces uh, realizing that we mm. can see the hand of the oppressor? And so this is a, I'm going to call this segment, close the door, because this ain't for y'all to hear. Uh, but how do we have that conversation for us to be able to like, come together? Right. What, what, what's the work that needs to happen for us to be able to build together? Well, first of all, you got to hop into this Jay-Z, Gucci, John, as uh, Almeki and my Philly people would, would say. Right. Like <laughs> just on some real like, I don't know, man, taking me back to my days of liver noise and time and in the D and like growing up, like I, I was surprised that Jeezy even did it like. Like, for the old heads who don't, for the old heads who don't know, why are you surprised that Jeezy did it? Tell tell me the details of why you're surprised. <laughs> let, we should have Reef give his take on uh on this. <laughs> yeah, that would be a that would be a real bad take, as they say. I have no idea what they. <laughs> oh, wait so so like, apparently, Gucci Gucci shot one of Jeezy's uh, friends. I don't know if it was a best friend. I've never really gotten that clarity on the story. Um, and it was acknowledged that that was one of Jeezy's mans in them. And so my thing... And he, wrote a, from, and he wrote a song about it. And he wrote yeah, a song. And, wrote and, a song, and like, performed and perform the song. Yeah. And I'm like, that's like some Biggie pop type John, right? Like, hit him up. Like, yo, like, you can't... 
nah, son, like we can't get down like that. Yeah. And so I just think that for me, just growing up in Detroit the way I did, um, I I was just like Jeezy, like what? Like what you doing, dog? Like it just was odd to me, you know. It it was just odd to me. Um, <laughs> it was just yeah. odd to watch. I, I mean, what I would say is is you know it's interesting, especially because you said like, hey, how what does the old head think? Like I you know I think it's you know generational. When you when you put it that way, when you as soon as you said Tupac, I was like. Oh yeah, I remember like yo, who shot you? Like I didn't like the beef, but that joint like I, if they would have come together on the internet to like battle, I would have, I probably would have watched it, right? Like mm. who you know hit him up and and who shot you? Like those were those were two of my joint. You know I would listen to it back to back, even though they were like you know all this beef, and I was like yo, this beef needs to quash. You know what I mean? Like we need to be unified at the same time. You know the entertainment value was was attractive, right? And so I, I just mm. wonder how much of of that. You know, and it's not just, you know, I would say it's not just black people, right? Like, like people watch people run into each other at, at you know, 15 miles an hour, you know, uh, every Sunday, Thursday and Monday. People, you know, people watch, yeah, you know, true. boxing for forever, right? Like, I, I want to see somebody get knocked out, crushed, right? Like all of those things. I think it's in the same genre of entertainment and violence and, and all of that. And so I think with somebody's lyrically you know, uh, beating their chest about it or doing it in other ways. I think it's, it's something about that, that, you know, we have to like really dissect and dive into, you know, yeah. because one is packaged and sold and resold and, and revamped and rebranded. But when you look at it, the essence it's it's a lot of same stuff. Like, Hey, a lot of people find it entertaining to watch people get hurt, you know, whether emotionally hurt, you know, physically hurt or whatever. So I think it's all in that same pot of gumbo. Yeah, I, I, I agree, man. And, uh, I see, you know, one of my former students, uh, brother Calvin, is in the chat. He said, I, I, I think, I don't think it's just black men at odds at the, uh, you know, is the world likes to see conflict. And that's what, what Baba just shared as well. Um, I, I agree with that. I think people just like to see conflict, right? You mm -hmm. know, we see it as, as brother Mecky shared, man, when, when there's conflict, people whip out their cell phones instead of wanting to stop the conflict. And it don't matter really that's any race or creed you see that happening um, where people want to see con conflict. But I do think there is something about when it's, when it's two black men, people thinking that this is the prototype of like how black men are. And so let's use this and put it right out in the forefront, right? That these are, look at how primal they're acting. Look at, they're acting like animals and people like almost want to see that, right? People like you even brought up in the nineties, the whole big and pock thing where, you know, we think of Pac's influence and really like how intelligent, how intelligence his brother was in it, the, how he could have used his influence for something way greater. And we know how intelligent he was when he would have interviews and have conversations and the things he would talk about. Mm. I mean, even when you look at some of his early records, what it was about, but people wasn't promoting that. But as soon as they got to that whole East Coast, West Coast, people were willing to promote that. It's like, look at these, look at these black men, look at how they're. Uh, conducting themselves. This is who they are, and we want to put this out there. So I think that is something that um, we have to continue to 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 fight against. I think it is amplified when it's men of color. Like, look at this is this is how they are, you know. But big ups to my man. Um, for those who didn't see it, big up to my man Jeezy though, because when when Gucci played that song and he stopped it, like 
he, he was Gucci looked like he was ready. Like, what? What you gonna do? And and you know, Jeezy went to a level that that I, I talked to young men about that. In that moment, he took the high road, squashed it, and was like, "Yo, why we why we want to promote this? Right? Why we want to promote this after after what we've been seeing happen to people? After brothers being murdered um, violently, man." We see we've lost people in, in hip hop culture and some of us in our own families. He just paused that thing huh. and, and called it out that it's mm-hmm. foolish the way that we're, we're acting. So big up to my man, Jeezy. I, I wasn't a big Jeezy fan, but when he did that, I had to give. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sometimes I hate on the, you know, I, I don't know, man. Jeezy, I remember in the interview, said something one time to, to Moni Love. In this interview back in the day when he was on the radio, and I'm just like, how you going to diss Moni, man? She like hip-hop royalty. Her and Queen Latifah, when it comes to female rappers, he just was talking reckless to her. And after that, I really wasn't I really wasn't feeling the snowman. But he, uh, to me, he redeemed himself um, in the way he conducted himself uh, in Jesus, um, how Gucci came at him. Mm. I think it's interesting how you framed that, because I think it's also, you know, the internal, you know, when people give messages to our, our young black men, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and it's internalized, right? When you talk about like, you know, how they, you know, how they're characterized, how they're promoted, how they're, you know, spotlighted in a way. And then the young, the young person who internalizes it, right? Like other people internalize right? They're ingesting what Dr. Beverly Tatum talks about this, uh, you know, the smog, right? And mm-hmm. so other people are ingesting it already. And so then they're creating this worldview and this perspective. But then when our own youth are also internalizing it, and they're not given, you know, it's done in schools, it's done on the media, it's done, you know, like on billboard, like wherever. And they're just constantly ingesting and eating. You know, it's only a matter of time, you know, without like deep interrogation and someone to uh, push them to, uh, to have this cognitive dissonance, like don't believe the hype, don't believe what they're telling you, don't believe you know the things that you're reading and seeing and listening to. You're someone else. You're better than that. You're greater than that. You have more potential than that. If that's not constantly pushed back, you know it, it's you know it's a matter of time. A lot, most people are going to start believing what they say about them, and so that's why your roles as educators is is absolutely crucial. And I think even more to that, I think, Shree, the, the dangerous part and the, the reason I bring it up, every generation can point to the two artists that had beef, right? Like we, we've kind of normalized this like black male beef with one another. And it mm-hmm. plays out in a very real way in our schools, right? We, we can name the number of students that have had conflict with each other and can't even recall what the original conflict was. And I think where I push is what, what is our responsibility in calling that thing out? and naming that thing is wrong, right? We didn't, we didn't log into the Instagram. We didn't, we didn't kind of uh, highlight this event because we figured this relationship was wrong and we needed to call it out. We actually called, we logged in to see the beef. And that is translating into our classrooms around how our young black men internalize how they're supposed to relate to one another, right? There's, and even how black men in general, not even school students, right? I would even argue that we don't automatically walk up to each other with an assumption that this is a safe space, right? And when you're in the city, you, you got a mug on that suggests don't bother with me. Uh, they only do that in Philly, listen, man. Philly, in Philly, in Detroit, any, listen, I'm going to say it like this. For Philly, Chicago, and a couple major cities, I'm going to call them out. You ask too many questions, they're going to ask you why are you asking so many questions. 
Because <laughs> <laughs> I thought no. I thought I listen but in preparation for the podcast, I asked Parker, how old are you and where did you go to school? The man was like, Why are you asking so many questions? <laughs> <laughs> homie, yo, homie. Yo, homie. Yo, yo, he might be an op, right, Mark? <laughs> and, and, and I don't know, man. I'm I don't enough, know. Listen, I'm fortunate enough to be like six one, you know, big black man. So don't too many people try me. I had somebody educate me again. Country folks, we just speak to everybody, right? And so that that's not necessarily a city thing. So I'm speaking to folks, and I think I must have said the phrase, uh, "What's good with you?" And my man's like, "Body language was crazy," but we were in the same group. And so later on that night, we had kicked it for like two hours, you know, mutual friends. And I was like, "Yo!" By this time, we're actually cool. We had a few drinks. I'm like, "Yo, what was that about earlier?" He was like. When you say yo was good, your tone was wrong. <laughs> your tone was wrong. Yo was good with you, and I'm just like, in retrospect, there are a number of ways that you can say yo was good that suggests either I am friend or foe or there's a problem. But like, we got to figure out what that is, where it comes from, and how to resolve that. That we don't automatically approach each other in a spirit of like love and building. It's an automatic skepticism amongst us. Mm-hmm. It's highly problematic to the, the growth of our people. Yo, that's that's so real, man. Like yeah, I, man. I, I, I'm not gonna. I remember when I, I I purchased my house in the community. I said, Yo, I'm gonna go out on my porch. When I sit on my porch, everybody that walk past, I'm gonna just speak to them, right? Because I grew up in the, you know, I grew up in Philly, man. You don't you don't you don't speak to people if you don't know them. You, you know, people can be at the bus stop. You don't speak to them. You just you look your way. You, you don't speak to them. But um. In order to build community, man, there gotta be. I, I see Brother Bay in the chat said communication is key. I said I'm gonna, I'm gonna show something different. And I remember mm-hmm. I would speak to young brothers, and they would look at me like, like, oh, what's up? You know, like, what's good? Oh, here or say things to me. But here's here's how it threw me, right? Now you want to be generous, you gotta be careful what you do. After me being generous, I'm at the I'm at the Little Caesars in my neighborhood getting some pizza for my family. This young guy walk up to me like, yo, my man. You you the guy that be uh, on the block, right? Speaking, man. I got all these pizzas. He like, yo, can you give me a ride down the hill? Like, can you give me a ride? So I look at this boy like, man, I don't know you, young boy. You don't get up. My... He like, no, you be speaking to me when I walk to the store. And I'm thinking like, no, they ain't getting me. They ain't gonna jam me in my truck when I get in there. They gonna rob me. But then some me was like, man, how you gonna do this? You speaking to people are being nice. Now somebody needs your help. Mm. And you're going to turn them down because you don't trust them now. Yeah, right. So how you going to so do then, that? <laughs> I got to practice what I preach. And then I end up saying to the young brother, like, yo, you know what? I do know you. I gave him and his boy a ride, you know, a young brother a ride down the hill. And we had a good conversation in the car, man. But, Hayes, I know what you mean, man. I was, I'm, I'm trying to break the cycle, even within myself, of trusting people, man, and trusting those in my community that I may not know, man. Not just trusting people. Trusting our people, right? <laughs> let me let me just trust our people. Let, let me just Listen, chime in because first of all, uh, like you're not gonna just be dissing Philly like that. Like I've <laughs> I've spoke I speak to people all the time, and it, it may not be like, hey, how you doing? Like you know that southern you know kind of way of doing. Like yo, what's good with you? I just like yo, what's up, bro? How you doing, fam? Like every elder, like not every, but I often right. speak to elders. And then yeah. the young boys, the young boys who just want to block. And I, I think that's part of just working in high schools and middle school. Like, I'm always like, what's up, fellas? Hey, y'all, how y'all doing? You know, every, everything good? Like, I'm, I'm always just, and I'm an introvert, but I still just kind of 
speak and share that. And Hayes had this like corny hypothesis during the summer when he was on 52nd Street at Malcolm X Park. He came, he said the same nonsense, like, oh, nobody speak. So I, I asked randomly 10 to 15 people, like, yo, do y'all speak to strangers? They all say yes. You know, so I think it's the way that Hayes may be approaching people. You know, he, he might be he might be puffing up, puffing up like, yeah, I'm six one. What's good with you? I, you know what I mean? So he might be giving off that type of energy. You know what I'm saying? So that's all. I, I'm just wondering. What kind of energy are you on, yo? I'm on nothing but positivity. <laughs> Here's the next step assignment before we open the door back up. Speak to somebody. Just just, just nod ahead, say hello. Like Every educator knows the first step to like getting your school community is getting people to just speak to one another. Wait, man, Hayes, you can't just nod your head because you know in Detroit, if you do like that, they like... And see that, and I can't even oh, do that. <laughs> yeah, like you, you can't, it's not a universal like nod your head. You know what I'm wow. saying? Like, you got to be careful with that or else you'll end up with Parker. And you know, Parker, I do got to give a shout out to Little Caesars because, you know, that's when it, it was founded in Detroit. Anyway, Little Shade, the same. I ain't going to say nothing about that, the taste of that, Joe. But go ahead. Keep yeah, going. Yeah, 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 man, yeah. Shady, man. Shady, man. <laughs> Just saying, man. Like, let, let, let Detroit have a little. I mean, y'all got. I love Bowl. Detroit. You know that. You know that. Y'all got a Super Bowl. We ain't, yes, we ain't even been to the play. We ain't even. I don't even yeah, we've been to the playoffs, but it's it's just terrible, man. But anyway, um, oh, uh, I got to show this book that people were asking about in the chat box. Mm. Just so hold it down a little it. bit more. Ankrum, uh, can y'all see that? I'm on. Yeah, turn it. There, there you right go. There. there you go. Right there. Critical race theory author. Uh, Oh no! Oh, Kimberly Crenshaw. Here's the. Oh, there we go. All right, put it in the chat. You can type the comments chat. There you go. Okay, I'll put it in there. But Anchor Ma wanted me to uh, show the show the book. All right, before we open the doors back up for the general public to come in and listen to our conversation, please speak to one another, trust one another, love one another, build with one another. All right, folks, we're gonna transition. We got about 15 minutes, so I'm gonna play with this. Schedule. We're going to talk about virtual learning. That's the hot topic right now. Uh, one, we're on the second wave. You know, Americans, we decided that when we decide it's over, it's over. So we decided around June, July that COVID didn't exist. So we decided to open up the country, right? And we thought that we'd be done with this, but schools are still in the virtual setting. What I'd love to hear you all uh, talk about particularly what have been some of the challenges as well as opportunities in the virtual space that you've gotten? So I, I, I know this conversation tends to lean very heavily to all that is wrong in the virtual space, and that is our present reality. But I'd love to hear like what have been some challenges and unique challenges that people don't necessarily know who don't work in education. And then what are some opportunities that have been created? And then we'll circle back to this question of should schools open or should they remain closed? The first two challenges, unique challenges in the virtual space, and some opportunities you've seen happen. Um, and then we'll talk a little later about whether they should open or close. Who want to kick us off? Hmm. Um, I, I'll get us started, man. Uh, I think some of the challenges is just, um, man, you know, kids, youth being at home uh, alone, you know, uh, parents have to work, uh, may not have somebody there to be able to support. Um, and just navigating that piece uh, and that accountability, like still trying to stay engaged in a full day, 
um, and not necessarily having individuals individuals there to uh, to assist them, um, and, and really tracking kids being uh, uh, attentive and in tune. I think that is one of the the biggest man. Just just that piece right there. Just making sure students are uh, engaging, they're getting the necessary uh, support that they need. I think um, for uh, as far as what we've learned or like some of the benefits, I think technology, again, I'll go back to the technology. There are so many things that teachers are um, adding to their tool belt and the ways in which to engage students from uh, in regards to technology. Some teachers, they, they, some of them were familiar with certain programs, but there's just like a wealth of programs that um, we are exposing our teachers to um, that even when we get out of this pandemic, it can just go to another level with with technology, man, in regards to just engaging students in, in more creative ways um, and getting out of that traditional form of teaching. Even if students may not have access to technology, teachers using technology in their classroom in a different way, I think is something that um, has been beneficial uh, during this uh, during um, this pandemic. Mm. Gotcha. Oh, Mickey, you in the nonprofit space. What, what are you seeing on that end? Yeah, man, listen, it, I was nervous about, uh, you know, we do this Freedom Schools uh, Literacy Academy, and I was nervous coming into the pandemic. You know, the two summers before we did it in person, the energy was amazing, seeing this integrational with Black college students and high school students working with first, second, and third graders in person, chants and cheers, high fives, literacy trips, you know, uh, you know, play, all that stuff was just so beautiful. And then we had to make a decision like, you know, in, in the spring, because it's a summer program, like, hey, what are we going to do? You know, you're getting these mixed messages. Oh, it's going to end. Things will be all right. You just got to follow protocol. Um, and even wondering, like, should we even do it, man? I'm so glad we did it virtually because what I was nervous of was like losing the energy of freedom schools. Um, and that's not what happened. Right. Like it was just interesting that you can build community in spaces that you may not have originally thought of as as you know the most conducive and i think even like opportunities now like you know uh this this podcast right like i don't know if you, if if it would have come alive if you know if the pandemic we weren't home as, as much where you all could like actually sit and plan and think about it and 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 launch something like that you know um you know two of you are our principals and then and Dr. Simmons is doing five different things, right? You know, at high levels, professor, leading an initiative, black educator. So I think, you know, sometimes what we fear can also uh, be the very thing that can help. And so just trying to be open-minded, being nimble and flexible, um, listening to the field, listening to the, the our people, because parents were also saying like, no, we would still want it. We're like, you sure you're not tired of Zoom? Is, you know, if we start in July, you've been doing this till spring? They're like, no, like we're, what are we going to be doing this summer? Like, no, nah, we can focus on literacy and, and positive racial identity. Like, no, nah, we, we want this. So, you know, it's, and, you know, I mean, I lost the aunt, you know, so, you know, uh, for all the folks that, you know, you know, I lost the aunt to COVID and, you know, she was in her nineties and, you know, was doing fine and, you know, and then caught that. And so, you know, with the, with the sickness and the deaths and, you know, uh, you know, what, almost 300,000 people have died, you know, and, uh, there are opportunities uh, amidst all this, the chaos and, and the anguish. Uh, there's also opportunities to to try to build something, um, you know, despite of it all. So, 
Simmons, what's it looking like? Yeah, I mean, I think that for me, it's about being a parent, right? I think that's, you know, like I, I've, I've grown to appreciate teachers even more. And this is from someone who started teaching in 1996 mm. on the west side of Detroit in my neighborhood, mm. right? And I, I just sit there and listen to my son's teacher and think about, you know, like, um, I struggle even when he asked me for ask me for help at this point. I'm just like, I don't understand like the math that they're giving you. I don't really understand how they teach in math right now. Like it's new to that. So like I I just it's it's difficult, you know. Um and so I know Parker's shaking his head. I need to come to Parker school and, uh, <laughs> give me a fourth grade math lesson. Maybe I maybe I'm just I maybe I just ain't I think I passed math in uh, school. I think you think, um, brother. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> two plus two equals six, and all that. All um, so, yeah. So I, I just have a deep appreciation for teachers and a deep appreciation for parents. And I think the voice of parents um, has been excluded far too often in discussions of whether we should go back to school. Um, and I just know, as a parent, I decided not to send our son back to school. Hmm. I just was like, nah, like, and true enough, there have been four cases of COVID at his school. Wow. You know, I mean, yeah, I want him to be face to face. And yes, he wants to be face to face, but I don't, you know, and, and I guess the last thing I'll say is for, for grandparents. And I know my mother hasn't seen, um, seen me face to face since, um, February, um, my mother hasn't seen face to face her grandson. They didn't have their summer. They really spend time in the summer together. My mother is in Detroit um, by herself because my uncle and I have moved. And, um, you know, I, I, I really worry about my mother. And I, I'd imagine that it's the same for a lot of folks who have parents who don't live in the same vicinity. And because she's in the Midwest, <clears throat> where the, the COVID cases has gone up, you know, she's like, don't come here. And she just breaks into tears. And it's, it breaks mm. my heart because it's nothing I can do. You know, I can't send her a gift card that'll fix it. Um, it, it it's nothing that I can do. And so I think that I worry about our parents who aren't in close proximity to us. So shout out to all those folks who are struggling similarly um, and perhaps we need to set up a support group for those whose parents are at a distance during the pandemic and are by themselves. So. Hmm. I think for me, one, this is probably the hardest thing I think I've ever encountered, particularly as like a school leader. Uh, but one of the challenges I think is also an opportunity. I think for the first time we are working professionals who work in schools who say we are trauma-informed educators are getting a glimpse of what it looks like to be in a traumatic state, right? And so for the first time, like educators are having to make many of the difficult decisions that our parents and families have had to make, right? So they, they have spouses who have lost jobs, have been laid off, and they're making choices about how to spend money. They don't have access to childcare, but they still have to work, right? So um, I think it is giving our educators a glimpse into the experiences of our families and students that they have to navigate every day in and outside of a pandemic. Um, and so there, there is a, a bit of grace that is now happening from teacher to student and schools to students. 
and in a way that's also happening vice versa, right? I think our kids are missing us, right? Our, our kids are missing being in a school community, being connected with educators. Our parents are seeing that we're trying um, and that nobody has the answer. Uh, I think above all, we're also really realizing what was most valuable about school. And what were we sticking to just for the sake for the sake of sticking to because we always did. Mm -hmm. So we are realizing that it may never have been about chasing the metric or chasing the number. Yes, we want to educate them, but we must build community to be able to get that number. Right. And so everyone's who signed up for the career. If you aren't saying like I miss my kids, then you might not have been the one who should have been in the building in the first place. Right. Uh, so educators mm -hmm. are figuring out what did I love about the profession? What do I miss most about it? Um, I'm excited about the opportunity to take everything that we've learned in the virtual space and everything that our kids and families are learning. Uh, I'm most inspired by this intentionality behind students and families advocating for what they need in new ways, right? Um, I'm getting more emails from kids now about a teacher not doing something than I've ever gotten in my life, right? Uh, parents who know how to CC the boss or the manager and like conversations that are happening around, like how do I get what my child needs yeah. in this space in a way that I wish it existed like that uh, when we were in school. Kids who are leveraging resources and making choices, right? And so they aren't always choices that we agree with, but kids are deciding, actually, I don't need to show up to that Zoom class. I'm gonna go to work from five to six because y'all tripping off of this. And I'm gonna still pass the class. So I think that our kids and families are like making some choices that I don't think we ever allowed them to make. We never gave them space to choose how is this thing going to work for me. And now we ultimately have to accommodate as a school and be nimble enough to respond to like what our families and students are saying they need. Uh, and so I'm inspired by that. So we are getting the, the time crunch. It says that we are closing on time. Oh, it's okay if you can go for an hour. Um, I don't have much to say about this topic. But it's important. We haven't seen the results yet. So this is, we're such a diverse group. We can go talk about, you know, who we are. We can talk about Philly. We can talk about Jeezy, Gucci, virtual learning. We can also talk about Nate Robinson and all the memes. that. Ah. I, see, I don't want to talk. See, we just got finished talking about the, you know, down black men. That was a bad hit. Oh, sorry, my bad. I forgot to do the MC. It was bad. It was bad. Simmons, if, you, if you'd like to comment about Mr. Simmons, Mr. Uh, Robinson, go ahead. Look, man, like I grew up up the street from Croc Gym, which is Thomas Hitman Hearns, Emmanuel Stewart. So I grew up loving boxing, right? So anytime I get, now I'm not a UFC fan or uh, what's the other thing with the octagon, the OCF, the WWF, I don't know what they call the, the, the anyway, the ultimate fight and all, I can't get in all that, but I love to see some good boxing. But I'll admit, I didn't get the pay-per-view um, <laughs> on that at all. But what I did was I was on my fa FaceTime with my homie who had a fight <laughs> so I could watch it, right? <laughs> I'm just saying, Nate got knocked out, man. <laughs> Yes, Calvin said you got to protect yourself at all times. Nate had a plan, but Mike Tyson said everybody got a plan until they get punched. <laughs> you get punched in the mouth, man. You get punched straight in the mouth. And, and look, Hayes, Nate didn't even get the two-piece. Nate just got a one-piece with no biscuit. It was just like, boom. Yo, I didn't even have to watch the fight. And God bless anybody that actually paid for the fight. 
My social media was, I mean, it was drag, drag, drag. It's actually unclear as to how many times he got knocked out because the multiple angles are just bad off. And I don't I think want he to got throw- knocked out three times, if I remember, because he got knocked out twice, I think, in the first round, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And then he got cold, cold knocked out uh, round, uh, second round, and just went face down on the canvas, man. It, it, it was just wild, man. Out there, brother. Wild. Okay. Yeah. Well, he hasn't posted. He hasn't posted anything, so we don't know what what's going on there. I was I was just surprised how many. Listen, I mean, for somebody that that actually used to do martial arts, that had been, you know, when I was a young boy, like fighting was my thing, and like, like I was just surprised at how yeah. many generations, generations. Listen, <laughs> but I was just surprised at how much, like, just you know, how many people have been knocked out in the course of like boxing, and I just I was just like, why why is this like such a you know. 10,000 memes and all. I, I'm not doing pay-per-view either. You know, when I was growing up, boxing was free. Like, we free. watched Muhammad <laughs> Ali, uh, you know, on our TV. We watched Sugar Ray Leonard, you know, kick butt, you know, on TV. So I can't even, like, you know, I'm just like, I don't even understand this paying to watch this. But, but uh, read, but read. Other and thing, then the, the thousand memes, like, like you never saw nobody get knocked out before. Like, what's the big thing? Like, I don't, I don't get don't, it. But, but people don't appreciate boxing anymore and that wasn't even a great punch i mean his head was he wasn't even looking at his opponent the other boy right like so i mean come on he got knocked out now we're trying to discredit the knockout the man he got knocked out but what i'm saying is like when you see like actual technical skills like you know like like a box like i met tommy hearns in detroit you know when i was hanging out with willie clay like we met we met him right and so you have like folks like marvin Hagler and 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 tommy hearns and duran and and like actual boxers and then just to see some boys you know swinging like oh yeah i'm gonna jump in the ring and listen for the record mike tyson ain't the first person who said everybody got a plan until they get punched them out right like he said that in in the 90s that that saying's been been was is decades old you know so well, I don't probably attributed to everyone to us uh, listen i i i'm you know but that was it was essentially a street fight cuz the man's not a real boxer he was a he's a youtube sensation who that knocked out Nate Robinson you got to knock him out Got it. Got he it. boxes. He so does. he's like he's like Kimbo, the boy Kimbo that was yeah, uh, from slice. a couple. Just yeah. not as big and not as tough and can't take as many punches. He just got the best of me. Got it. Got it. Okay. Mark, did you see the fight? Did you pay no, for man, it? I seen I seen the uh no, I didn't pay for it. I, I was thinking about it. You know, I wanted to see Mike and uh Roy Jones because Mike Tyson, his previews, man, Mike was he was looking like Mike from back in the day. So I wanted to see that, but I didn't watch it live. Um but yeah, man, when I saw it, I said, man, this brother got hit on the top of his head with like a haymaker. Like he didn't even get caught <laughs> on his chin. It's like he got hit on the top of his head. It's he just, had a he had a soft spot right there. That's yeah, all. I, I don't know, man. But um, but I didn't understand the memes either. I didn't understand like why are people going crazy it's corny. about like he's it's not corny. even a boxer, he played ball, like it's, and he can corny. jump out the gym. Like he's he's shorter than I am, he's like five eight and can jump over a six foot seven. Or he probably jumped. He jumped over uh, Dwight Howard, who I think is seven foot. Like he 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 should have stayed in his lane. He didn't. So be it. But uh, um, but it also yeah. points out Parker the, that uh, I always say say to folks that I don't care how athletic you are, whether it's basketball, football, or whatever. Being a boxer is an entirely different thing. Oh, yeah. It requires skill to be a world champion boxer, right? Like. 
It just does. Now, 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 Reef, you'll appreciate this. I remember in boxing when they used to actually fight each other. Like, for real, for real. Like, Sugar Ray, Tommy Hearns, yeah, those dudes. all of that. Now you get cats celebrating Floyd Mayweather when Floyd Mayweather ain't fight Manny Pacquiao in his heyday. Or Triple G. But I digress as somebody <laughs> who uh, enjoys uh, boxing <laughs> and my critique of Floyd Mayweather. He's like, who's boxing. Tommy Hearns and Sugar Ray? Like, you see, like who that, <laughs> who that be? This is where the MC lets y'all have all of this conversation. <laughs> I, I'm putting on my listening ears and letting y'all have it. All right, so we're about to close out. Um, we, we've met our mark, but I want to leave us off. Uh, so this is a new podcast, happens once a month. I'd love for each of you all to close out with what's something you hope we get a chance to talk about and why. Something you're really passionate about that you hope we get a chance to talk about in future episodes and why and you all who are listening and chatting you can feel free to also write your comments things you wish we would talk about in the future well yeah well i'll just say that and i'll you know obviously be you know a a a viewer and and a big fan of 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 the work that you all are doing um two things one i hope that you share uh, your wins inside of school working with black children there's so many uh people educated parents you know, community members who need to know what are some of the things, the decisions you make that, you know, to get the outcomes that you want. You know, you both have worked in turnaround schools. Uh, Simmons has educated a ton of folks who are uh, to be effective educators. So I think some of the technical skills, but saying it in layman's term, not like, you know, just, uh, you know, just uh, terminology that that the community, you know, may not necessarily uh understand but you know like malcolm x said make it plain i would love to do that and then the second one is something that that uh dr simmons brought up uh i would love to hear about who taught y'all how to teach you know for me it was it was black women <laughs> you know black women taught me like the the skills the art and science my coach my mentor the teachers i would i would uh watch and go visit their classrooms they were all black women um and so that's another piece that i would love to hear in future you know future episodes Oh man, um, I think one is big. Uh, I see Lucy made a comment about this, uh, but the toxic masculinity, uh, masculinity. I think that is that's big. Um, something I we used to talk with our our young men about a, a lot as an educator. Um, I would have that conversation with them. We talk about the mailbox um, as well. So I think that's um, that is important. I think uh, I definitely want to talk about. Um, me, I man, I would love to talk about um, black people uh, gentrifying the hood. You know, like that's that's a comment. Mm. That's something that I would love to talk about. Like uh, when we talk about community and bringing change, I, I I think that's a conversation. Sometimes we we don't talk about, um, but I, I would definitely love to get into uh, get into that uh, as well. Um, I'll uh, close with, I, I really want us to talk about mental health um, as one thing I'd love for us to talk about. And then the other piece is just my own journey um, that is just deeply personal uh, for, in particular for black men and women in our 40s who are still struggling with um, a parent's incarceration and being gone for your whole life. Um, how does it influence your parenting? Um, how have you dealt with the depression? Um, and you know, like even to this day, if you ask me when Father's Day is, I don't, I don't know the date. 
um, I have to be reminded uh, because I didn't celebrate Father's Day because my old man was in the joint. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I th- I'd love to have that conversation because um, I just think it's important and, you know, it would be helpful. Absolutely. And I would add, I am deeply passionate, particularly about like mental health and who we are as a people. Uh, also, just how we relate to one another. Uh, so black love for just one another and for our people uh, in our community. And then to really think about how do we develop our own? How do we develop our own communities, our own wealth, um, our own sustainable structures that allow us to thrive and then to celebrate? I think that there is something to be said for creating a podcast to give space to celebrate what's good about us, what's great about us, uh, and what are we doing well. Uh, And then to also think about it from a unique lens of we as Black people in America have a culture uh, that we should be proud of and all that we've contributed to this country. And so I want to be able to celebrate that. Um, So that is our time. This is us three times dope. The first podcast coming in hot, leaving out. Yeah, yeah. I need a buzz. Like, I'm going to bring the buzzer next time. <laughs> all right. So we'll be back. Uh, we are right now targeting the first Tuesday of every month until you all tell us that you want to see us more. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you, Sharif, for joining us, for selecting us. Uh, and thank you to our producers at 8 Black Hands, Ray Ankrum. No, I appreciate y'all, man. Proud of y'all and really excited about, you know, how y'all going to share with the community, you know? Um, Coming in hot, good stuff. That's a nice Philly, Philly uh, term. Why does it, it have to go all, go back? Why, to Philly? Philly? Why do we have to? <laughs> Everything <laughs> comes back to. Listen, I don't know. Everything comes back. Listen, man, we gonna get you a book. 